Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today as your people. We gather on this second Sunday after the Epiphany to worship you, to hear your word. We ask that your word would speak to us and we would respond and worship and our lives would be transformed and shaped more into the image of your son as we follow him along the way of Jesus. We ask this all in his name, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You've probably noticed that I say uh, that a lot. I say the way of Jesus. You know, every week I begin the service by saying, we make followers of Jesus who live the way of Jesus. And if you read my newsletter article, like I said, if you haven't, there's uh, newsletters over here. Or this week, that article was shared on the church Facebook page and on the the blog of the church's website. Um, So there's different places to find that article. But what I said was that 2020 was the year of the way of Jesus. And what I mean by that is it was the year I started to talk about that phrase. A phrase that I developed uh, with the spiritual council um, in 2019. And then 2020, uh, as I said in the article, a friend of mine... uh, who's also a pastor in our community, said, hey, I'm going to take the opportunity in 2020 to do a sermon series called Church 2020, which was a play off of, you know, 2020 vision. And the idea was, let's see the church clearly. Um, and from that, I, I, we did not do the same sermon series because he, he used his church's uh, mission statement, which is different than ours, um, And at that point, I hadn't really shared this phrase that much, but it had been in my back pocket, and it was the opportunity to talk about it. Um, But all that to say that even though 2020 was the year of the way of Jesus, it wasn't just a year thing. I believe that the way of Jesus and following the way of Jesus and making followers is central to what we're called to do. But I think it's still fair to ask, well, where where did this idea come from? Now, I've made the case a little bit, but I don't know if I've made the case fully. Uh, and, and I don't even know if I've completely made the case to myself. Uh, it's something that I've sort of uh, gathered over several years of studying and reading. Uh, people like Eugene Peterson, uh, the, the person who did the paraphrase, the message, that's what he's most well known for. But he's, he's a pastor scholar who's written lots and lots of pastoral books and books about the Christian life. And he has a book called, uh, something I think called The Way of Jesus. But we need to talk about it. And today is an opportunity to talk again about the way of Jesus. We get to explore this question. And we get to explore it as part of the lectionary readings. This is the reading appointed for today from the Gospel of John. And it talks about the way of Jesus and being followers of Jesus. So if you want to open up to the Gospel of John... We're going to be looking at John chapter 1. So I'm turning there in my pew Bible. Uh, you know, and if, if you're comfortable using the pew Bibles, by all means, I'm not going to tell you not to do it at this point. Um, most people are in similar areas every week, and they do sit from week to week, and no one uses them. I mean, they're not getting used every day or several times in a Sunday. But that is on page 15. Oh, or fifteen ten is where we're going to be, and it's going to be chapter uh, verses forty three through fifty one to chapter one of John. It'll also be up here on the screen. And if you have your own Bible, which is what I encourage you to do first, 
bring the Bible you always read so you're, you're familiar with it and you have it on Sunday mornings. Uh, but if you want something that's the same translation, we have this and it'll be up on the screen. We're going to take a look now at John chapter 1. But before we look at it, we do need to gather ourselves a little bit. We looked at the first section of John uh, several weeks ago, chapters 1, or verses 1 through 18. And John opens his gospel by proclaiming that Jesus is the Word became flesh. He talks about the Word is God, the Word was with God from the beginning. And he makes this position about who Jesus is. And then John goes straight into introducing a character that we heard about last week in the, in the Gospel of Mark. John the Baptist. But unlike Mark, who has about three or four verses about John the Baptist, John gives us quite a bit of detail about John the Baptist and his interaction with Jesus. So John meets Jesus and he baptizes him, and when he baptizes Jesus, he realizes that he sees the Holy Spirit come upon Jesus. And the way John, the gospel writer, frames it is that John the Baptist said, when God, God told me this would happen, and that was the person who would receive the Holy Spirit and would be the appointed one by God. So he tells some of his disciples, hey, this is the Lamb of God, the one appointed by God to be his chosen one. So those disciples, the John the Baptist's followers, he had people from all over just hanging out with him. They started to hang out with Jesus. And one of those is Andrew, who has a brother named Simon. And Andrew meets Jesus, and then he says, hey, Simon, you got to check out this guy. Let's go check him out. I, you got to meet him. And that's the first story that we learn about Jesus with uh, a couple of John's disciples. And then John, the gospel writer, tells us a second story. But this one's a little bit different, starting in verse 43. He says, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. And then finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. So now it's not John the Baptist introducing uh, or pointing Jesus out and some of his disciples going and seeking Jesus out. That's what happened in the first story. Now Jesus seeks out this man named Philip. Potentially one of the two people from the first story, we don't really know. There's one unnamed person with Andrew that we don't know. It could have been Philip, and maybe it wasn't. But Philip now is the one that Jesus says, follow me. So Jesus is now asking someone to follow him. This is the context that John, the gospel writer, wants us to see about Jesus. Jesus is asking someone to follow him. This is when Jesus' mission begins to take shape. He's someone who's going to gather followers. That's what he's going to do during his work on the earth. Gather people to follow him. Now, whenever you have a, a, a group of people who are following somebody... It becomes very important to understand the person they're following. You know, even in our own world, we think about cult followings in the past, and there's been some famous ones. And that person's character becomes the center of that movement. And usually the character is not the best character. And that person uses their power to hurt people and to abuse people and to get the kinds of things that they want. 
So whenever a group of people are following someone, the question needs to be, well, who is this person? So this is the question we need to be asking as we think, okay, Jesus is getting followers. Well, who is he? Because the center idea is you're following someone to become like them. And being a Christian is about being a follower of Jesus or a disciple. And as a follower, we're going to become like our leader and our teacher. So who is it that Jesus is and what are we supposed to become like? So that's just a question we need to have in the back of our mind. So Jesus goes to Philip and he says, follow me. Now this is how follow Philip responds in verse 44. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, okay, the, the two guys from the story before, Philip was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets are also written, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So Philip is another uh, local, and he's from uh, the region. He's probably a fisherman with Philip or with Andrew and Peter. But what matters is, just like Andrew before went and got his brother, now Philip goes and gets someone that he wants to meet Jesus too. He gets this man named Nathaniel, and he says, Nathaniel, you need to come meet this guy. It's the guy that the prophets and Moses have written about. His name is Jesus. He's from Nazareth. His father is Joseph. Now, if you're reading John's Gospel in the first century, you can maybe go some, find people in Galilee who know Jesus of Nazareth and his father was Joseph. There's going to be people who know him. And you can say, hey, who's this guy? There's no hiding who Jesus was. So Philip goes and he invites his friend Nathaniel to also meet Jesus. We can't miss this detail. Because what kind of person is Jesus? We think, we're thinking about his personality. He's the kind of person that you want to introduce other people to. Now, unfortunately, I imagine the most cult leaders are also that kind of person. They're charismatic, and they have a way of being a magnet for people, but they use it in the not the best way. But Jesus is the type of person that you introduce people to. So, you know, this week that made me think, um, you know, do I know Jesus well enough that I want other people to meet him? Because he's so irresistible that people who I love, I want to know him too. That's a question I start thinking about. Because whenever people met Jesus in the Gospels, they wanted other people to meet him. And they could not get enough of being with him. We are followers of Jesus. And I said, remember, make followers of Jesus who live the way of Jesus. And we're to make other followers. And both Philip and Andrew did that. But even whenever we ask someone or invite them or introduce them to Jesus, it's their responsibility how they're going to respond. So I don't mean to say that it's all on you to introduce somebody. You introduce and they respond. So Nathaniel must respond. And this is how he responds originally. He says back to Philip. He says, Nazareth. He says, can anything good come from there? So this is Nathaniel's reaction. Now, we don't know why he, he says that. 
Most likely it's because Nazareth is just a little town. And uh, nothing like the Messiah can come from a place like Nazareth. It doesn't make any sense. Now we talked about that during Lent when we talked about Mary being from Nazareth. A little place in the middle of nowhere. I mean, and then the Magi, they, they came to Jerusalem. That's where kings are born. But no, it's Nazareth. So Philip's like, there's no way. Or Nathaniel's like, there's no way that he's from Nazareth. Now this is all that Philip says in back. He says, all right. He says, come and see. So I think this is very instructive. If we're thinking about introducing people to Jesus, I don't think it's our job to do all the talking. You know, we can just say, come and see. You don't know Jesus, come and see. Now, as a congregation, that does put some responsibility on us. If we invite someone to church or people come to church, if they're coming to see Jesus, they're coming to see him in all of us. So how we act matters. But also, you can introduce people to Jesus by reading the Gospels with them. Sit down and read the Gospel of John or the Gospel of Mark. And just read through it and talk about it. You don't have to be an expert. If there's something you don't know about, you can Google it. You can ask me. Most people will Google it. I would say ask someone. Don't ask Google. It doesn't have to be me. I can show you some good books that are easy to get. And it doesn't matter. I'm reading those books too. So to know if you ask me anything, it's coming from a book to someone else that knows more about things than me. But we can introduce people to Jesus. And I don't think we need to just talk about him. We can say, why don't you come and see him for yourself? So they go. And then this is how Philip, or Philip and Nathaniel encountered Jesus. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree, before Philip called you. So now Jesus is there, and Philip and Nathaniel are on their way. Jesus sees Nathaniel, and he says, he says, you, Nathaniel, you are a true Israelite. And now this is a comment about Nathaniel's character. And it's also a comment about what Nathaniel's about to do in a couple minutes when we look at what he responds with. We're not going to look at that yet. But think about the situation. Wouldn't you be surprised if you were Nathaniel? You've never met this man, and all of a sudden he knows who you are. And he also knows where you were just at. Now, this is the days before Facebook. So it's not like Jesus is like, okay, Philip said he's going to get this guy named Nathaniel. Let me look at his Facebook page. I see that he shares these Bible verses all the time. I see that he went to this... Um, he did this thing at the synagogue, and he goes every week to the synagogue. So he must be a pious Israelite. Oh, and I see that he just took a selfie under, these, under this tree where he was taking a break from his work. There was none of that. So either Jesus had someone tell him about Philip, or Jesus just knew. So Philip's in this place, or not Philip, but uh, Nathaniel's in this place where he now must respond. This man whom he's never met knows a little bit about him, and he for sure knows where he was just at. Nathaniel knows I was just under that tree, so Jesus knows because he couldn't have seen me. So Nathaniel now has to respond. He needs to make a decision about who Jesus is. So this is how he responds. 
Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. So now John puts on the words of Nathanael, or in the mouth of Nathanael, these words about who he wants people to see Jesus as. Nathanael knows that it's impossible for Jesus to know about who he is and his location unless he is somehow connected to God and has some sort of connection to things only God would know. So Nathanael makes the, the drastic jump to recognize that Jesus is the Son of God, the, king, the true King of Israel. So this connects to Jesus' response, a true Israelite. A true Israelite will recognize that I am the Son of God and I am their King. And Nathanael recognizes that. He is a true Israelite. Now we don't know for sure what Nathanael thought about that belief. We don't know uh, if he knew all the things that John tells us in the first opening chapter of the first verses of chapter 1 about Jesus as the Son of God. Most likely that got worked out later. But Nathaniel recognized that Jesus was someone uniquely from God, and he recognized him as the Messiah, the King of Israel. Now what this does is it actually brings us into view into John's gospel. If we were to turn to, uh, I think, chapter 19 or 20, John says that he is writing so that hopefully, I'm just going to look because this is something we don't always notice, but it's important when you're reading John's gospel. If I can find it. This was not planned. Yeah, so it's chapter 20, verses 30 through 31, if you want to look at this at some time. Um, this is what John says. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, now listen, this is what he says, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that you, by believing, may have life in his name. That's what John wants people to see, that Jesus is the Son of God. He wants them to come to confess the very thing that, that Nathaniel confesses when he first meets Jesus. He wants people to confess that Jesus is the Son of God, the King of Israel. Now this brings us to the central focus about Christianity. Followers of Jesus confess that Jesus is the Son of God, King of Israel. That's what Christianity is about. It's about followers of Jesus confessing that Jesus is the Son of God, the King of Israel. And because we confess that about Jesus, we choose to follow him. We follow him because we believe that he is the Son of God, the King of Israel. That's central to the Jesus movement and the movement that we find ourselves a part of. If you're here and you're wondering about who Jesus is, well, what is his character? Who is he? He is the Son of God. He is the King of Israel. And because he's that person and he's asking us to follow him, we follow. Because the story that this Bible is telling comes to this point about Jesus. 
the Son of God, the King of Israel, who's come to save the world and restore the brokenness and show people how to live a wise life in relationship with God, to use the, the world and the creation well, and to be a blessing to nations, to return to God's presence. And followers of Jesus confess that Jesus is the Son of God, King of Israel. Now, John actually gives us a little bit more about Jesus and his ministry. He says in verse 50, Jesus says, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. And he added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So what, what does Jesus say to Nathaniel? He says, you ain't seen nothing yet. I saw you under the tree. Just wait till you see the stuff that I can do. And then the very next story is another miracle. And I'm pretty sure it's the reading for next week, so I'm not going to look at it yet. And remember, John talks about those signs, the signs that you see. Nathaniel saw this one sign and he believed. And John says, I hope that because you've read this story and heard these signs, you believe too. And I hope you follow. And I hope you tell others and you spread your light. And then Jesus, notice verse 51. This is an important little connection. He says, you will see the Son of Man, or the heavens open, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now what is this? This is actually, I think, a reference to the story of Isaac or Jacob, Jacob's ladder, Jacob, where Jacob falls asleep and he sees this ladder, the staircase, and the, he sees angels ascending and descending into heaven. And he knows that surely this is a place where the heavens and earth meet and the presence of God enters the presence of man or of humans. That's what that story in Genesis is about. Well, Jesus says, look, in me you will see the presence of God enter the world. In me, God is entering the world, and the heavens are opening up, and God is entering into human space. So on this second Sunday of Epiphany, remember Epiphany, it's about a display or a billboard of who Jesus is. We see that, yes, Jesus is the Son of God, but we learn more about his actual mission. His mission is to gather followers who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, the King of Israel. Because his followers are going to follow him, they're going to learn to live the life he shows them to live. They're going to share it with other people. And they're going to become a nation in the world waiting for his return. The epiphany message on this second Sunday is that Jesus is the Son of God and he is King. And he is making followers who will confess that about him. So what's the question you can ask yourself this morning? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, King of Israel? Because followers of Jesus confess that Jesus is the Son of God, the King of Israel. And not only do they confess this, but because they believe it, they follow Jesus. And not only do they follow Jesus, but like Philip and like Andrew, they invite other people to follow Jesus too. 
When we follow Jesus, we're following the type of life he expects us to live. We're following the true king of all nations. What's on our sign right now? The true ruler of the world. You know, we have all of these different nations around the world, and right now our government's in upheaval about who's king, right? There's only one king. And we're called to be his followers. And um, we're in a difficult place in America because we live in a country where we can participate in our government. Most Christians, most of the world over and for most generations, had no choice in their government. So it was easy for pastors to say, you know what? We have no control. Pray to God. Do what you can. Stay out of trouble. Remember that Jesus is king. But now we find ourselves in a place where we get to decide. And what I, th- I think we can think about that is that no matter who's in control in Washington, they just think they have power. But remember, who's the true king? And then this is the most important thing about all of that. And remember, we talked about Revelation a couple months ago. And remember that Revelation and the Babylon and the dragon and the beasts, what they were about was using power to what? To crush people, right? Did the people of Jesus crush people to get power? What is the image that we stand behind? The cross is an image of first century execution. Not a sword. So the question is, were people following the king? And yes, we get to participate in our government. And we should. We should be wise. We should ask our leaders to make wise decisions We should use the wisdom of this book, the wisdom that Jesus has given us to advise them. But we should not be surprised when both sides don't follow the wisdom because they see the power. Because we already have read the story. Who governs the world? The dragon and his beasts in Babylon, right? But we're followers of Jesus And we confess that Jesus is the Son of God, King of Israel. And we're called to follow the King. Now that's messy. And it's not easy to work out. And if you're interested in in wanting to know or work more out about what's going on, it's hard to make blanket statements because things are complicated. But I'm happy to talk to people about things. But as your pastor who has been instructed to lead us in following the way of Jesus, all I can see when I read the Bible is that we're called to follow the king. And the king has said, I, you will not know when I return. He said that very plainly. You will not know when I'm coming back. So stop looking for signs. But what he did say is, I've left you here to be my light in the world. He said, I've asked you to follow me into Life, but that might mean on earth that you follow me to death. And he said, as you follow me, people will see 
the true way to be human. And that's the call when we follow Jesus. And as followers of Jesus, we confess that Jesus is the Son of God, King of Israel. Everything else can be difficult, but that's where we look first. Who is our King? He's asked us to be steadfast. He's asked us to be a light. He's asked us to be faithful to him first. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you as your people. And we're in difficult times. I mean, not only is it difficult to discern in every, any given year the right decision when it comes to making votes and participating in our government, and we know that people on different sides of issues have valid perspectives. In any given year, it's hard. But in recent years, it's become more difficult as we're inundated with information from all over. It's difficult to know what's truth and what's not, who's telling the truth, who's not. It's easy for us to look at something and to respond based on how we feel. We recognize that there is real fear and threats in situations. We recognize that things are changing and that our country isn't the same country it was 50 to 100 years ago because people have moved here. Life is different in the 21st century. But what we do know is that one thing has remained the same. You are king. You've asked us to follow you as your followers and to confess that you are the king of the world and the son of God. And may we, as we follow you, know that you are the one ruling the world. And even though it might not see it, seem like it right now, we trust that at your return, you will make things right and restore harmony and peace. So in the middle, while we're following, may we keep you central to our lives. May we strive to be your followers. May we strive to make more people who follow you. We ask this all, Heavenly Father, in your Son's name, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.